This episode of the American Birding Podcast is sponsored by our friends at Beautyo Books. Remember that ABA members get a discount on all orders from Beautyo Books. You can check them out at beautyobooks.com. Hello and welcome to the American Birding Podcast from the American Birding Association. I'm Nate Swick. I am back from a somewhat whirlwind trip to the Western Andes of Colombia. I was there for the Columbia Bird Fair. I mentioned it a little last week in the context of messing up a previous episode, but it is a fascinating event that I will talk about more coming up. I have an interview with one of the founders that will run next week. I think we've talked about Colombia more than any country other than the United States and Canada on this podcast. And I guess there's a good reason for it. In the seven years since we started the American Birding Podcast, I can't think of a destination that has blown up as a as an ecotourism hotspot more than Colombia. Part of that is that Colombia is, after decades of conflict, increasingly open to tourists interested in promoting birding and nature as a reason to visit. There's buy-in at all levels of community and government. It is a fascinating thing to witness because you know, it's birds as an avenue to bringing sustainable jobs to the people and also as a source of pride for Colombians. I had the opportunity to not only bird with American and European birders like you normally do in the tropics and with local Colombian guides, but also with Colombian birders, regular Colombian birders of which there are many and for whom the bird fair exists. In fact, it was one day I went out, I was the only non-Spanish speaker on a field trip full of Colombians. The guides were skilled hobby birders, not professional guides. My Spanish is not great, and I ended up missing a couple birds because I didn't recognize what people were looking at in the moment. You don't realize how much you sort of rely on the cues of overhearing things that people are saying. But in any case, it was it was a great opportunity, not only to work on my directional Spanish when describing where birds were, but also to, to meet some Colombian birders. Uh, minor difficulties aside, it was a great opportunity to interact with folks in a birding community that is not so very different from the one that many of us in the U.S., Canada, and Europe experience. Anyway, I am very high on Columbia, not only as a birding destination, but as a driver of birding culture for all of the Americas as well. Some really interesting things going on there that are relevant to birders in the ABA area. Also, we'll talk about that. That'll come up next week. As an aside, George Armistead and Molly Brown from the Lifeless podcast and Chris Bell from the Birders Show, those names might be familiar to those of you who are consumers of birding content online. They were there as well. We recorded a special crossover episode of Lifeless. I'll point you in that direction when it releases. So more to come in the near future. I'm really excited to talk about this. That's not what we're talking about this week. To the meat of the show today, it is time to take stock of the rare birds of 2022. I welcome back Amy Davis of the ABA's North American Birds Journal and birder and friend of the podcast, Tim Healy, to talk about the best, the wildest, the most amazing vagrant records of 2022, right after this week's Rare Birds. This is your Rare Bird Focus for the end of February 2023. Florida's first confirmable great-tailed grackle was seen in Pinellas County last week. It was spotted in perfect great-tailed grackle habitat, that being a 7-Eleven parking lot. The bird was well photographed and even recorded, so its identity is pretty well confirmed. This species has been reported in Florida before, most recently last year, where a bird in Miami-Dade was identified as Florida's first great-tailed grackle and may very well have been, but it was not as well 
well documented as this bird and thus fell short of the Florida Record Committee standards and thus the species was in a sort of limbo, but no longer, I assume. Also this past week saw the reveal that a Mississippi first record green-breasted mango had been visiting a feeder in Jackson County at the end of December to the beginning of January. I'm not going to wade into the murky birding politics of suppressing the record. People can choose how to handle rare birds in their own homes, but it's a nice connective record from the handful of green-breasted mangoes that have been reported in the Western Gulf and those elsewhere in the Southeast. That is all I have for you this week. For the full list, check out the ABA Rare Bird Alert on Fridays at aba.org slash RBA. You can also follow along with all the Rare Bird news in our ABA Rare Bird Alert group on Facebook and in ABA community. Though we are now in the third month of 2023, it is not too late to look back at some of the rarity highlights of 2022. In fact, maybe a little distance is necessary. Or maybe I'm trying to justify why it took a little longer than usual to put this episode together. No matter, it is here now. I am excited to welcome a couple of rarity-minded birders to take stock of 2022's mark on the ABA area vagrant landscape. A great year, for sure. For this discussion, I am thrilled to have Amy Davis, the associate editor of the ABA's North American Birds Journal, Journal of Ornithological Record for the ABA area, and Tim Healy, a New York birder, writer, teacher, and rare bird connoisseur hello to you both i'm excited to talk rare birds with you welcome back amy welcome for the first time tim hey good to be on the pod thanks for having me back (laughs) always a pleasure this is one of my favorite discussions of the year i'm excited to have you all here Uh, a couple notes before we get started uh first we put together our own personal lists of the most noteworthy rarities of 2022 we do not know what they are uh but i imagine there'll be a little bit of overlap so we'll talk about the bird at its highest ranking on any given list. For example, I have a bird at five. Amy has that same bird at three. We'll talk about it at three. And second, the criteria each of us use to determine our personal rankings is entirely at the discretion of that person. So raw rarity plays a role, but also the whole experience, circumstances all play a part as well. That's all up to you guys and up to the listeners as well. We all have our different interpretations of this prompt, and that's what makes it fun. Are you both ready? Ready to go. Let's go. Let's do it. So before we get going on the birds, let's do let's let's talk about 2022. It it was felt like a big year for birds in the ABA area. Not only it new was birds, a deep bench. It was a deep for bench sure. yeah. for sure. Lots of high quality birds to pull from. Absolutely. Well distributed all around the country. Just yes. Tons of tons of great stories throughout the course yeah. of 2022. And continuing birds. Shout yeah. out to the Stellar mm-hmm. Sea Eagle, which was <laughs> unanimous number one from last year. That is still could arguably make still the list this year. Some of us. You haven't seen it yet. I made two trips to oh Maine from New Jersey. It's a tricky bird to pin Coming down. Coming up empty. It, yeah. Moving around a lot. <laughs> Tim, have you seen it? I have. That was a oh, uh, long-awaited, lifelong yeah. dream bird. And uh, no doubt. Yeah. after watching that saga develop for months, I was fortunate enough to head up there and see it in the beginning of 2022. So that was okay. my personal best rare bird of 2022. Yeah, I uh, got to see that at Booth Bay Harbor, where I actually used to work with Project Puffin, and I used oh, to nice. narrate Puffin tours. So That's a nice story. Wow. Got to see an awesome bird back on the old stomping grounds. But we want a different show this year. We want a different show. Day. We don't need to talk about Stellar <laughs> Seagulls again, yeah, uh, even though we may be talking about it in 2024 as well. Who knows? Very well. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, this year saw birders back on the Western Alaskan Islands for the first time since the pandemic, which was huge. There are more birders than ever, more rare birds, more people to enjoy them. 
quite a year. I, I was going to ask you what your interpretation was. Sounds like you've got you've already said it. Deep bench, a lot of birds to choose from. How difficult mm-hmm. was it to pick the ones for this year? Well, I started out with a list of 38 species. Holy moly. And had to narrow it down. <laughs> well done. I'm glad you yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Tim? So I, I love birds that have a good story. And it's yeah. just a matter of Absolutely. you know coming at it from the perspective of an educator and just somebody who loves to talk to non-birders about birds and the cool things mm-hmm. they do. I love vagrants that make... Non-birders go, damn, that's cool. Like, yeah. you know, when yes. you're talking with yeah. your friends over drinks and you can just, you can kind of spin a yarn on a bird that's had some sort of epic journey. Yeah. Um, the crowd pleasers. Exactly. And the heartbreakers. Oh, man. And we had both, in both on my list this year. No doubt about that. <laughs> Tom Petty, watch out. Yeah. We'll be, uh, <laughs> we'll be, we'll be talking about a few votes. Sounds like we've, we've got uh, a good diversity of birds here. As I said, I think there's going to be some overlap because there are some really great stories, some really great birds. As always, I encourage you all to kind of expand the definition of a rare bird and a rare bird story. And of course, you know, when, we, when this podcast goes out, I hope the listeners do that as well. Uh, let us know in the comments uh, when this podcast comes out and we'll, we'll, Continue this discussion. It's a discussion that will probably last uh, throughout 2023. Some of these birds are going to be talking about for a long time. So let's uh, let's get going. Amy, shall we lead it off with you? We'll go in alphabetical order. Amy, sure. what was your number five rare bird of 2022? So in fifth place, I have Trindaji petrol. Good. Actually, should one. be petrols. Petrols. With an S, multiple petrels, uh, first and second records for Canada in September. Mm-hmm. Um, two, one turned up and then two together on Broad Door Lake in Nova Scotia during Hurricane That's Fiona right. in September. That's right. And like other ABA area records of the species, you know, they're obviously storm birds. There right. was one record. In international waters off the Grand Banks in 2015, but these were first and second for Canada. Not only is that absolutely spectacular, and not only were they well documented by some really intrepid storm birders. That that whole Hurricane Fiona situation was quite the story of the second half of 2022. A lot of cool storm birds, yeah. and the, yeah, it just slammed into eastern Canada and. Uh, kudos to the Nova Scotia and Newfoundland birders that were up there on the shore waiting for that storm to come in and getting getting these records. I believe some of them were maybe not local either. So mm-hmm. I want to say, don't do this at home, kids. But I <laughs> also myself have been stranded on a barrier island during a hurricane. So <laughs> it's, a, it's an yeah. experience. There was some pretty I, spectacular I media. <laughs> Coming out of those checklists, you know, definitely, I, I saw definitely. a lot of photos of birds scattered around the road or coming in yeah. below the bridges and around these little inlets and islets. Pretty, you know, really set the scene in terms of both, you know, the awesome potential of storm birding mm-hmm. and also the, you know, inherent risks that come along with that. Yeah, then they think about those Trindaji petrels or Trindadi petrels or have you one on Trindaddy, as uh, Tom Johnson <laughs> coined. Um, that is that they're they're kind of an underrated storm bird, I think. You know, here here in where I live in North Carolina, they're one of the one of the rare pteridromas that you get in the Gulf Stream. Um, not every trip, it's one of those ones you kind of hope to hope to get. They're they're regular enough to expect, but not regular enough to to get every single time. 
Records. And there's also, you know, records, inland records of this species oh, yeah. in North Carolina and um, in Virginia. Well, in fact, the, one of the, the early ABA, ABA area, area records. First. That's right. Was from 1933 in Tompkins County, New York. Yeah, represent. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a, that is a commonly wrecked seabird, I guess. And I believe um, originally reported uh, as a strange Trinidad? looking duck. Was strange the, looking was duck was the report that's of the right. bird that was found in a farmer's field. That's right. That's back when it was Wild. called Herald Petrol. Back yep. in the old days of uh, seabird taxonomy. I, I believe the record nuts. has it as quote unquote Trinidad Petrol. But yes, it was split from from Harold in 2015. Yeah, yeah, Uh, and of course, you know those those uh, that media that you talked about, Tim, also had a lot of kind of the the more classic uh, storm blown birds like uh, sooty terns and and a lot of the white tail tropic birds, white tail tropic bird frigate birds, yeah, black cat petrel, and weirdly. White face storm petrel on a lake petrol. inland. Yeah, it's you know like what? not North- that out of range there, but to have them show up inland on a lake they so is seldom wild. get pushed around by the storms. You know these mm-hmm. oceanided storm petrels. Hurricanes, fun drivers of bird records. Fantastic choice. Was there not another Trindaji petrel record of note in 2022? Was there? It wouldn't I shock me, but it doesn't Texas come. Texas got its first record in 2022. That's right. Well. You're exactly right. Yeah. Perfect Patagonia picnic table effect. Some folks were down <laughs> along the shoreline um, looking for other birds. I think they, I think it was harlequin ducks, if I remember the story correctly, mm-hmm. and had Galveston, a yeah. Trindaji petrel <laughs> fly past right. the border jetty, which is yeah. insane. Seabirds, mind-boggling always weird. Yeah. yeah. Never know what you're going to get. Tim, number five, what you got? Sure. So number five bird, uh, as Amy said, deep bench, a lot of things to choose from. But I gave my number five spot to Limpkin. Limpkin again. It's another yeah, summer nice. Limpkin. Hot Limpkin yeah, summer. Hot nice. Limpkin summer could not be ignored. Uh, it needs to be hotter. shouted out. Yeah. I think you got some good photos of that species maybe pretty close to home. I was fortunate Ish. enough to partake. In, well, yeah, I was fortunate enough to partake in New York State's first Limpkin. Uh, close to home is a bit of a stretch because I did <laughs> pull state. off the... Probably the wildest, most ill-advised twitch of my life, which involved an overnight Greyhound bus um, getting the bird at dawn with a side of Little Gull flying down the Niagara River and then took Amtrak all the way home. But uh, (laughs) not giving it to this bird just because it showed up in New York, because a whopping nine states got their state first record of Limpkin this year. It's fun. I think Amy, you mentioned Limpkin last year when we did this episode. Yes, and I it did. Was yes. Not it was not nine states though. Nine is a new high water mark. That's it. We for thought Limpkin. we thought last year was hot Limpkin summer, but this hot is, summer just keeps getting hotter. And who knows? Going, who knows what this year's going to be? That's but, right. Um, yeah, I think it was twenty-two states outside of Florida had Limpkin records this year alone, which is mind-boggling. This is a bird yeah. that you know. I think most. ABA area birders associate with Florida, um, you mm-hmm. know, obviously found throughout the Neotropics and the Caribbean and Central and South America. But, you know, I remember when I was a kid flipping through, you know, the, the big Nat Geo books and everything that was talking about Limpkins. And it's like, you know, restricted to Florida, population possibly declining, <laughs> right, mm, right. you know, numbers going down. And then all of a sudden, just, you know, all it took was some invasive apple snails, I guess, but <laughs> yeah. they really are off to the races. And seems like the sky's the limit as far as where they could turn up next. I, I think Canada's first Limpkin is on the horizon, without a doubt. Um, it came very close. Wasn't the New York record very close to Canada? Yeah. Yeah, we saw Canadian birders looking across the river at it, but it 
did not <laughs> deign to cross uh, before it was brought into rehab. Yeah, and, the, the Dakotas, um, yeah. Montana, why stop there? Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more Lumpkin records before they, before they stop cooling Hopefully off. in New Jersey. Oh yeah, you don't have one yet in New Jersey. Not yet. Oh, I think you're not for lack of trying. New Jersey, yeah. New Jersey had a great 2022. Surprising oh, yeah. that Lipkin was not on it. <laughs> yep. Hats off from your next door neighbors. Uh, begrudging though it may be, New Jersey yeah. really had a fantastic year. Yeah, they added a ton of birds. Oh yeah. All right, great. Another great choice. Uh, we're going to be mentioning Limkin uh, along with Stellar Sea Eagle for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Years it seems to like. come. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They'll never get old. My number five was another first Canada record, one that came from October. Uh, it was the common scoter in Quebec. And uh, this is a bird that when it was split from black scoter not all that long ago, we started expecting it in the ABA area. They they have bred in Greenland before, so it's not a not a complete completely absent from North north america and we had those two records in california and oregon um so eastern it's surprising that it hadn't shown up in the eastern half of the continent yet uh, this year it finally did so canada first eastern north america well eastern aba area first uh common scoter a lot of great photos taken of this bird and um ah, who, who doesn't love a sea duck sea ducks are spectacular and yeah. i think that the challenges involved with Picking out a scoter, I, th- I think yes. every birder's got that in their mind. You know, any coastal yeah. birder who's out there panning over scores and scores of scoters and eiders, there's always that little thought mm-hmm. in the back of the head of like, "Ooh, is, it, is there going to be a velvet? Is there going to be a common?" You know, yeah. And having that actually come to fruition, and then getting to be a bird that so many people get to enjoy, so much mm-hmm. the better. Absolutely, uh, a little surprising that it was Quebec and not some of the other Atlantic provinces, I suppose. But uh, Quebec has such a strong community of birders and e-birders. Um, maybe it's not. Super surprising that that Quebec got it um, just by the fact that there's a lot of eyes looking for yeah. birds like that in that province for sure. All right, so three for three, three different birds. Number five, I feel like our top choices are going to have a little bit more overlap, but um, let's let's find out. Number four, back to Amy. Okay, in fourth place, I have Icterin warbler. All right. I have that one. Actually, I don't. I took that off my list to put the common scoter. So I also put that in at number four. So no, oh, nice. perfect there, Amy. Perfect. <laughs> Great minds. Yeah. <laughs> well, this one kind of presents a fun ID challenge to separate mm-hmm. it from mm-hmm. uh, Melodious Warbler. But fortunately, we had really great documentation by Rodney Ung Willock at Gamble on St. Lawrence Island, Alaska. This yeah, shout out to Rodney. Um, I think that well done. The, the bird tours out there have led to a lot of uh, birding in the local community, uh, not just on Gamble, but on St. Paul as well. Uh, a lot of the folks out there are looking for birds, even at times when there are not a lot of birders on the islands. And uh, it pays off. It paid off with this one for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he captured the length of the primary extension and the leg color really well. So we were able to uh nail down the id on that one and of course it is an aba area first yeah yeah uh this species is highly migratory it um travels from europe and central asia to tropical africa and unlike most of the rare birds that turn up at gamble this bird is actually um a reverse migrant yeah most of the Awesome, spectacular rarities that show up there are brought in on winds. They drift from the Chukchi Peninsula, but this one, the um, the mechanics were a little bit different. It's it's weird. It is definitely. Yep. It's not a bird that you wouldn't entirely expect at the ABA area in at some point. 
it's not a bird that you would have expected in Alaska. It's, I mean, it's pretty crazy because what they migrate from Eastern Europe into yeah, Sub-Saharan it's an Eastern Africa. European bird. Yeah. So this bird, I mean, very possibly came just Wrong over direction. the top of the globe, over the just top of went the globe. north and kept yeah. going north until going north became going <laughs> south, which that's is right. Crazy. It's wild. And really just like the icing on the cake as far as a crazy fall season in, mm-hmm. in Alaska. Oh, yeah. Um, so many amazing birds turned up there. Like it was kind of hard to choose. And it most of them were due to the weather patterns. Like I said, the wind drift yep. um, over the Pacific as well as uh, Typhoon Murbach. Mm-hmm. And the list I have here from St. Paul is pretty wild. Jack Snipe, Spotted Red Shank, Middendorf's Grasshopper Warbler, mm-hmm. Taiga Flycatcher, Rustic Bunting, and not one but two Eurasian Hoopos. And that's oh, yeah. just St. Paul. I forgot about that. Oh my God. How do you mm-hmm. how did I forget about the hoopos? Oh <laughs> man. I know. Exactly right. And again, Western Aleutians hosted Pacific Forktailed Swift, Brown Shrike, Red Backed Shrike. Eurasian Skylark, Nauman's Thrush, uh, Stone Chat, that's a slash. We have to leave that one as a slash. Oh, Tree yeah. Pippet, Gray wagtail, wagtail, and Yellow-Breasted Bunting, and finally a Citrine Wagtail oh at Seward. Yeah. Like, just spectacular list. Great job, guys. <laughs> what yeah. a to Alaska. Yeah. This one just goes out to Alaska as a whole. Like, yeah, you know, right. It's Warbler hard to choose just one. <laughs> the crown jewel in yeah. quite a horde of impressive birds. I feel yeah. like the hoopos probably, I, I said it before, but like, I feel like those, I mean, one, that's an unbelievably charismatic bird. That's the sort of a dream bird for a lot of North American birders. Yeah. And two, t- <laughs> two of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, I believe was collected. It was found dead, but the yeah. other one was living and just There are, there are awesome. fewer than five records of Eurasian hoopo in the uh, so, yeah. ABA area, right? And it's been yeah. many years. Yeah, yeah. quite quite some time since anyone's seen a living hopo like in North America. Just yeah. spectacular, awesome bird, dream bird for sure. <laughs> I think um, I think part of it is that you know that typhoon Murbach was uh, mm-hmm. the real kind of X factor. Um, usually, the typhoons do come every year to the Alaskan Islands. Usually, they come after birders have left in early October. So uh, there's no, there are very few people there to kind of pick up the pieces. That you know, it's it's a difficult time of year. Very cold <laughs> in October in Alaska. The, the the days are getting extremely short by that point. Um, not a lot of people out looking for birds. This time, it came early enough that there were birders yeah. on the island. All this and occurred they, they by September. Up. Yeah, and and that's that. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we're this is this is one of those years. You you cast back to older birders talking about Atu on some of those years in the in the nineties, and and this is this this year was of a piece of those kind of those kind of absolutely unbelievable rarity halls for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so um, I almost I'm almost a little embarrassed for not putting any of that, that any Alaska birds on my list. There were just so many other things to talk about. Tough to choose, um, but from. yeah, I'm yeah. glad we had that discussion about Alaska because it was a it was a really great year there. Uh, my number four is also a um, old world warbler, and I have a feeling this might be a bird that might be on uh, some of your lists early on. So if we we if we don't discuss it, we can wait. It is the wood warbler in uh, Southern California that showed up in October. Do any of you have that one? I don't. I do not, so might oh, as well talk man. about it now. Yeah, so the uh, one of the more surprising records in the ABA area, there are only a handful of wood warbler records, widespread, old world, Philoscopus warbler, um, very similar to our to our Tennessee warbler. 
famously so. Um, this one showed up in Los Angeles in October. And um, the funny thing about this, you know, Los Angeles, California, California had another exceptional fall. This was a first mm-hmm. California record, the first outside of Alaska. All of those previous Wood World War records had come from Alaska. A super surprising bird that a lot of people in California never expected to see. And uh, the funny thing about it was, is that it was, I believe, originally identified as a, as a willow warbler, which was another first California record. <laughs> and then, and I'm smuggling a second bird in here a little bit. Um, and then not more than a few days later, a willow warbler actually was seen this time in yep. Northern California. So uh, uh, what an amazing uh, week for California birders choosing which philosopher's first record to chase on which end of the state. I did strongly consider uh, that little one-two punch for my yeah. own list. Just the combo, like either bird yeah. on its own, spectacular record. Mm-hmm. But yeah. putting the two together, um, I just didn't want to overload on old world warblers. <laughs> so I'm glad that we we all put them in yeah. the number four spot. <laughs> Got yeah, a chance to right. give them their due. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, there was a little bit of talk uh, about whether or not this bird could have been a um, a ship assisted record, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I as feel like some so of those. Often is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine that there wasn't at least some ship. There's so much ship traffic going across the, mm-hmm. the Pacific Ocean; it's almost impossible to think that it wouldn't. But you know, this is a bird that the birds are going to use whatever means necessary to get where they are going, and as long as it wasn't contained. ABA listing rule says that it They're is headed it is out over the ocean on their own. They That's are right. continuing no on that. No path. one's putting a wood warbler in a cage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but a lot of people got to see this bird, um, which was you know always makes for a great rarity experience. Definitely a little bit of an identification challenge. A lot going on on this one to make it a, a fantastic bird for 2022. Absolutely. Moving right along, we're making we're making great time here. Um, <laughs> number three to you, Amy. Okay, in third place, I have Eurasian, a.k.a. Western Marsh Harrier. That's my number three, too. Same here. Great minds oh, think alike. Right, right. Look at that. <laughs> Consensus. Love it. <laughs> <sighs> now, this bird, there is a sight record from coastal Virginia in mm-hmm. 1994. And, of course, presumably, it first turned up in Maine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in August, and presumably the same bird showed up in uh, North Jersey in November. And I don't believe that we can definitely say it was the same individual based on the timing and the molt, but it probably was. Yeah, yeah. I remember there being a bit of you know uncertainty and equivocation about that at first with the initial photos that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, looked decidedly different but once it came out with more they were lighting little, they were a little dark yeah. i think yeah but um great you know, documentation presumably. and great job on that uh, photographer uh, chuck hannis i believe for Absolutely. uh getting the word out and so that uh, uh, quite a few people were able to see this bird not me so much <laughs> i got well. to stand in a gym parking lot with about 80 other people which was <laughs> awesome but i didn't get to see this one yeah. tim did you try for this one I was unable to try for it. Uh, consider, you know, yeah. it, when it showed up in Maine, I was Tough on a summer vacation down. and I might have gone for it, but I was out of town at the time. And then it showed up in New Jersey, which means it probably flew through New York airspace. Um, yeah, and I'm going to try to ignore <laughs> yeah. that. It's a New York but bird. did not get a chance to go up and search for it before it disappeared. Uh, it reappeared <laughs> as it, as it as it uh, as it turns out in the yeah. engine of a um, yeah. Of a, yeah of there's a Boeing the, jet. Medicine at Newark Airport. (laughs) So heartbreaker for a couple reasons there. Yeah. 
But interestingly, um, there are a few records. This this is another bird that's associated with wind drift. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them we have. Well, we have a few records from the Caribbean at uh, Guadeloupe and mm-hmm. Puerto Rico. Okay. Yeah, so they clearly rode in on the trade winds. It's a little surprising that it took as long as it did to show up in the ABA area proper, at least a, a confirmable record. Right. Um, I've I've read the I've read the notes from that Eastern Shore of Virginia record, and and it's I they they look pretty good to me. Uh, the bird was seen at at a, for yeah. a quite a long time, and the all it was detailed notes. I suspect that that is an accurate record, but um, yeah, not always nice to get some photos to yeah. absolutely confirm it. Definitely, but this one showing up in in Maine, uh, further north. Seems to, you know, there are some records from Iceland as well. So mm-hmm. clearly, sometimes they drift over the North Atlantic. And I, sus- I suspect that this one did as well. Yeah. yeah. How about Maine becoming the hotspot for vagrant uh, raptors? raptors. <laughs> Quite gonna, a track yeah, record. The Maine rare raptor generator is <laughs> right. always up to something new. So That's right. Knows? What are they going to get yeah. next? We've had, we've had Central America represented, you know, Mexico and Central America with the Great Black Hawk, you know, another yeah. bird. That <laughs> met an untimely end, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, then East Asia with the stellar seagull, which fortunately is still out there killing it, you know, settled right, into a literally. comfortable little migration pattern. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was having a whole conversation with friends about this bird when it first showed up in Maine. It was, where's it mm-hmm. going to show up next? And then it pulled the Hearman's gull on us and it, it yeah. skipped over <laughs> New York. But then it was kind of, you know, it disappeared. And I remember there was a lot of talk in the following weeks and months of maybe it'll show up again. Maybe it'll be down the coast, you know, Virginia, Carolinas, who knows? And we, we unfortunately will not know because the bird's journey was cut unexpectedly short. But even with that unfortunate ending, what a story, right? Like just the fact, what are the odds that this bird crossed the entire Atlantic and making its way down the coast and then of all, of all birds for that to be the one that was struck <laughs> at what they say like three thousand feet or something yeah really right? high like really high cruising altitude and, uh, yeah it's and, just and three, three months later too that's another you know sort of angle that's sort of surprising the original well, record in maine came from august the one in new jersey was november, november. so that yeah. bird was cruising around up in that area who knows where it could have been in that intervening period um for three whole months yeah and i mean even the fact that you know the the air the plane strike left enough behind to be identifiable. <laughs> yeah, right? right. That's you know. It's yeah, I believe wheels within was wheels in terms of the odds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Smithsonian bird. Um, there's a, they've got a whole lab there that um, takes a look at bird bird strike records and keeps track of them. I, I, this is probably the the crown jewel of the bird strike record catalog. <laughs> uh, with, yeah, I would imagine doubt. so. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. want them to go try one up that one. No, <laughs> please don't. No. Please, please no. Let that please, be, no. <laughs> please let that be the high water mark for, uh, right. you know, airstrike crown jewels. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Great record. Good Another one awesome for first for New Jersey. What'd you get? Awesome yeah. first from New eight, Jersey. Eight firsts eight, in New Jersey this eight. year? Uh, yeah. You know, I yeah. keep track of well, that. And I have, uh, was it uh, Bermuda Petrel, Kirtland's yeah. Warbler, Hammond's Flycatcher, Tropical Kingbird. Marsh Harrier, Common Goal, Brewer's Sparrow, and Broadbilt Hummingbird. So a lot of birds that I think that were on the, this is a little bit of a expected. New Jersey tangent. Yeah, sort of like long-awaited sort of birds oh, that you would have definitely the case for a Tropical Kingbird. Tropical Kingbird, Bermuda Petrel, Kirtland's oh, Warbler, all those seem like ones that you would <laughs> have been fly. looking for. We've um, all been talking then, about Cahau for years. And, yeah. you know, Jersey Overdue, and New York both got to close that out this year. So that yeah, was, yeah, that is an interesting uh, species because that is, a, that is a bird whose population is increasing. And it stands to reason yeah. 
that um, that more East Coast records. But neither here nor there, maybe perhaps if the <laughs> house shows up in Newfoundland, we can talk about it another yeah. time. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll move on. Hey, we we we're, we're back with you, Amy. Since we all had uh, Eurasian Marsh Harrier <laughs> oh my all gosh. the way around, back around the horn, back to back to number two. All right, number two. I have Southern Lapwing in Michigan. Hey, me too. And there we are. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We're normed. Awesome. We're doing a great job, folks. <laughs> uh, I have a feeling that we might all have the same number one, too. I but have a uh, we'll get there suspicion. when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> I won't be surprised. We can, we can, we've got some, we can do some, you know, honorable mentions. <laughs> That's right. I've, I do have some honorable sure. mentions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Southern Lapwing, Michigan, June through. December? December. No, I showed up December. on the Christmas December. bird count, sitting Christmas there in the snow, bird, looking yeah. miserable. But, like, what? but yeah, what? the June a bird. A bird. What a bird! <laughs> the June arrival is consistent with those previous records from oh, Maryland yeah. and Florida, I, both in spring of two thousand and six. Here, Amy. All so, of them, the same subspecies, Cyanensis. So all, um, all coming back to you know what I was talking about before of birds with a good story. This yep. this one's Absolutely. awesome. This one's got it's conspiracy got the theories. It's got, oh, <laughs> who, who doesn't love a lapwing? You know, across yeah. the board, just awesome birds. Great just genus. Big flashy plovers with so much personality. Yeah. Although this Loud, one, conspicuous. like compared to its you know northern counterpart, this one mm-hmm. kind of tips the scale into like goofy and gawky <laughs> and clownish for me. Yeah, very um, much so. The long legs and the harlequin markings. Yeah, little. <laughs> and how about those carpal spurs? <laughs> Love <laughs> the spurs. Love a bird. For yeah. Jousting <laughs> predators, apparently. Like this bird has got it all. I've seen it referred to as. <laughs> I've seen those spurs referred to as stablets uh, before. It's a big fan <laughs> like of it. that terminology. So let's, like uh, let's run through the southern lapwing story a sure. little bit. This bird yeah. showed up on an airfield. Mm-hmm. In Yasco County, Michigan, I assume I'm getting that right. Michigan has a lot of place names that are very oddly pronounced. I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure this is Yasco, or is it Huron? Um, it was on the shores of Lake Huron, and um, in the middle is this airfield, big, wide open area, which is you know where you typically see southern lapwings. Lapwings like to bir- be, yeah, exactly. You birders who have uh, been to the tropics frequently, looking for that first lifer of their trip <laughs> on the tarmac of whatever tropical <laughs> location that you are visiting. Uh, Southern Lapwing is the one that's they they love that stuff. Not infrequently, the very first bird. Not yeah. infrequently, exactly. <laughs> and um, so the Southern Lapwing shows up on this airfield. Um, obviously, a weird bird. Birders, I forget the the story of why the birders got it first, but I know that the airport employees, the people who work on this cargo airport, um, had been seeing it for at least a week and a half mm-hmm. before the story came out in early June that this bird was was around. And immediately, the Providence rumor mill is uh, up and running. How did this <laughs> bird get there? At an airport. At an oh, airport. At a cargo yes. airport, nonetheless. Oh. Possibly <laughs> slightly suspicious. There's a lot of hand-wringing about it. <laughs> yep. Did the bird wander into the cargo of an airport somewhere in the tropics and, and make it all the way to Michigan? Uh, a lot of people did some really interesting work on this, as it turns oh, out. Yeah. This is more a... Um, like a, a place where where cargo companies the send their birds the thing yeah absolutely <laughs> it's no uh, it's, it's no uh, it's no hacking of a, a Subaru right but it's uh, it's pretty good uh, yeah so apparently this is a, a airport where where it doesn't have any direct flights mm-hmm. from Latin America so this is a place where people send their their cargo airplanes to get serviced it's like a basically a repair depot 
for airplanes. Um, and so, you know, there's no real way to think about how a bird could have gotten from Latin America directly to Michigan. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibility that a Southern lapwing could see an open air aircraft and wander in. Uh, they're kind of curious birds. Hard to understand if some what, how the people on that aircraft would not have noticed that they are big <laughs> and they are loud. Yeah. Um, and I think the the <laughs> thing that really struck me was that let's imagine you're a Southern lapwing. You're a mm-hmm. wide open country bird flying north, looking desperately for a place to land in northern Michigan, you're going to see a big body of water. You're going to see Lake Huron. You're not going to want to go across that. And the only open space you're going to see is this airport. This airport is completely surrounded by forest. Tarmac and grass, home sweet home. Tarmac and grass, just like (laughs) home. Yeah. So it stands to reason why that I think there is at least a equally reasonable uh, explanation for natural provenance as there was for any sort of weird cargo shenanigans that would have brought this bird to Michigan. Oh, and don't, don't forget that the species has been undergoing a northward range expansion Mm -hmm, for like the last 40 years. Yeah, absolutely. And the timing kind of coincides with the end of the dry season. Mm -hmm. That kind of exploratory dispersal, you know, and we've got a little bit of a pattern now with the previous records occurring at the same time of year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think skepticism is warranted for sure. Uh, it's always worth having these discussions. But to my mind, and this is you know not speaking for the ABA Checklist Committee, who will eventually have to make a ruling on this, or the Michigan Checklist Committee, who matter, have yeah. some sort of Byzantine rules that they have to get around, because apparently every member of the Michigan Bird Records Committee saw this bird, and why not? It was present for almost yeah. six months. My opinion is that this is likely a natural vagrant, and unless I get any sort of information to the contrary, I think it's reasonable to believe that it is. I think you're among friends here. Um, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. like you said, skepticism is warranted. You know, mm-hmm. for every weird bird that shows up somewhere under its own power, there are others that turn up and, you know, maybe that seem legit at first. And in Pennsylvania. No information comes to light. Right. Oh, that yeah. perfect example right there. Right. Yep. I am a big believer in shell ducks in general. You know, that's a perfect mm-hmm. example. Population increasing on the other side of the Atlantic. Right time big of year. Dispersal. Right place. Yep. Many of them show up in the right kinds of places the right time of year i chased that new hampshire shell duck and that got accepted no qualms about that this pennsylvania record showed up i'm like yeah sure perfect sense you know rubber stamp ready to go and and then you see a clipped <laughs> webbing and the news comes out yeah right so you know it's you gotta you gotta keep your mind open to all the possibilities but i, I think that especially as you said with the the bird sleuthing that was done, tracking down it's all the flights impressive. coming in and out of that yeah, airport. CSI level bird I think, sleuthing. Absolutely. I think reasonable Quality. doubt, you know, <laughs> this bird This bird seems to be a very good contender for the ABA area's first accepted southern accepted. lapwing, hopefully. Yep. I wonder if the other records are going to be exactly. reconsidered. Retroactively reconsidered. Uh, yeah, I, I hope so. I think that Maryland one in particular mm-hmm. is a... Is a, is a Probably a good record. That's a you know Wor- Worcester County, Maryland, and again, new information. You know, new information. took maybe a conservative approach the first time around, but now exactly. pattern starts to come out. Maybe it's time to revisit that. Absolutely, Southern Lapwing, good bird. Enjoyed that one. Great story. I think this is yeah. exactly what we were looking for, and a first potential first ABA area record. It uh, ticks all the boxes. So, shall we move on to number one? I have a, I have a yep. sneaking suspicion <laughs> that, this, one again. Uh, that this one is going to be the same. Did through. anybody not guess it yet? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. there's one big one that we have not talked about. Amy, would you like to take the lead? Okay. Taking top honors 
for best rare bird of 2022. And of course, there's more than one. And most of them turned up in twos and threes. I have (laughs) red-legged honeycreeper. The (laughs) red-legged honeycreeper. Is it fair to call it an eruption? I phenomenon. think so. Invasion, yeah, eruption, just invasion. what, what a phenomenon. It was a phenomenon. Yeah. Was a it checked all the phenomenon. boxes. Incredible. <laughs> For sure. That was my number one, too. Love yeah, it. Yeah. My Top number three. One. So, we, so, are, I mean, we are of a mind. First right. things first. Red-legged yep. honeycreeper, spectacular Amazing bird. bird. You know, yep. just iconic so of the neotropics, right? Mm-hmm. Just Even in basic. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Stunning, stunning, photogenic, charismatic little charmer. Um, Nectar sipper. Yeah. Very tropical. Just that very. you know, gorgeous purple and blue and the offset with the bright red and the black. And like you said, even in basic plumage with that nice leafy green and, you know, again, the contrast with those, you know, stunning I'm a red for the legs. green ones. Yeah. yeah. Great birds. And I think one that a lot of, you know, North American ABA area birders just associate with this is a bird that is iconic of tropical places, of the yep. neotropics. Classic. Banana feeder bird. Yeah. And this is a bird that has records in the past, like, you know, an accepted record out of Texas and Mm -hmm. a couple of records out of Florida over the years that, you know, again, there was some skepticism and, you know, kind of talked about back and forth a long time. Uh, And then we come to this year. Yeah, so charismatic, (laughs) apparently commonly kept as a cage bird in some places. But what's interesting is the the birds that turned up in 2022 on the north. Uh, Gulf Coast did not arrive via the same mechanism as the one that turned up at Estero Llano That's in right. South mm-hmm. Texas. Because, yeah. of course, that one's thought to be a reverse migrant. Mm-hmm. And these ones were swept up in the storms associated with the Tropical Storm Carl. Tropical Storm Carl, yep. yeah. That, That's, you that know, seems to be the, um, uh, the prevailing them, theory. Yeah, across the Gulf Coast. Red-legged honeycreeper's got a couple of different populations, and I believe the going theory on this one was that these are probably birds coming from the Yucatan population, mm-hmm. which is migratory and travel you know, over water. Yeah. And if you're traveling over water and bands associated with powerful storms are sweeping across the Gulf, you know, you're going to end up bailing out. And those birds ended up bailing out to Louisiana, <laughs> Texas, and all over Florida. All <laughs> over as well as Florida. the Bahamas. That's right. Did they yeah. co- oh, did they go yeah. to the Bahamas too? Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, what further, was it like further evidence Bahamas? of natural, natural uh, Freeport, yeah. I believe. Double digit, yeah. you know, locations reported them, right? 11, I believe. And all Amazing. within the same, all within like two or three days. It happened all at I, once. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who, I think, I think Florida had the first one that was reported, but it was not more than an hour, two hours later that the Louisiana record came out. Yeah, same then, day. Yeah. Same day, yeah. And, that, and then yeah, they those started two popping up again all at the same over. time. That was when it was like, oh. Something's happening. What, we got, what is we this, got a thing. right? We got a thing. And then it just kept yeah. happening. Then it was more in Florida, more in Florida, Texas, Florida. It was so awesome to watch that unfold. Mm-hmm. And I think that this was just the perfect example of a story that captures the intention and the imagination of the entire birding community, right? Like, yeah. Every yeah. birder I talked to was talking about red-legged honeycreepers for mm-hmm. that entire week. It was so, so cool to see that unfolding. And, you know, it, I, I believe there were a few records uh, into the new year as well, into 2023. There were a handful of birds. There was one even as recently as mid-January. two yeah. weeks ago. One, late January. It was yeah. probably a bird lingering uh, yeah. rather than a new bird. I, I talked to some Florida birders recently. So, 
a happy um, ending yeah. compared to, you know, Marsh <laughs> Harrier struck by plane yeah. and uh, Lapwing like last being up. seen yeah. in the snow <laughs> on the CBC. You know, these birds landed in areas that are kind of similar to their original habitat. Yeah. I mean, what? Presumably, Florida's, Florida's tropical anyway. Right. Yeah. Presumably either resumed migration or, you know, in the case of some of these Florida birds, maybe sat tight. Yeah, you know, this is the sort of movement that could result in birds sticking out for a very long period of time yeah. because there are a lot of them. It's the sort of movement that could result in birds breeding, perhaps mm -hmm. in Florida, which would be unreal if we yeah. had a population of red-legged hunting creepers take take purchase in uh, southern Florida. It would go uh, right along with all the parrots and uh, other <laughs> tropical species that are all over the place in southern Florida. No doubt. Um, but yeah, it, amazing record. Um, amazing stories. I, I talked, actually, I was in Columbia last week. And uh, one of the birders that I met there was an American birder, uh, Luis from Florida. Uh, Luis and uh, Mariah, hello to both of you. Uh, they do the Key West Hawk Watch, and, and Luis showed oh, me a yeah. video of him finding the uh, <laughs> red legged honey creeper and absolutely uh, flipping out. I may That's try and get awesome. that from him and play it uh, at the end of this uh, at the end of this interview when this podcast goes on. Please, uh, but uh, <laughs> just just yeah, it's the sort of excitement that you love to see. It's the it's the best of rare bird finding. Some might argue absolutely. the best of birding. Period. I, fantastic stuff you know it's just just awesome awesome birds yeah. awesome story behind it you know it, it's cool when we get to learn something from mm -hmm. a vagrancy event like this and i think that this widespread conspicuous dramatic event was just hands down the best of the best in this year in this past yep. year and of a very good year oh yeah yeah, yeah we're all on the same page with that one Red-legged hunting creeper, great opportunity to say the number one, number one uh, bird for a lot of us here. Um, did you have any honorable mentions? I had a handful of honorable mentions that I'll just sure. we don't have to discuss in yeah. depth. Just uh, throw but them some out ones there. that I considered putting on the list. This is for you, uh, your opportunity, Amy, to maybe uh, bring a few of your thirty-eight records that you had uh, <laughs> to, to the to the to the audience. Um, just off the top of my head, some stuff that I really thought was fantastic. Some stuff that really made me you know, say, wow, when I heard about him, uh, Cape Verde Shearwater in yes, Massachusetts. Yes, that was, that was on the tip yeah, of my tongue. That was, that was a very close one for me. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, Common Red Shank in Michigan, and then again, mm -hmm. Common Red Shank in oh, Massachusetts. Massachusetts at the Common Red Shank. Oh, oh it was inaccessible. Right. It was inaccessible. About that. That's right. Yeah, there was yeah. a little drama Soon there, after the I Michigan believe. One. Yeah, Michigan, another state that had an amazing year last year. Yeah, um, for sure. Very good flycatcher in Michigan. We just do like a Michigan um, oh my Michigan <laughs> show. Um, what about you? What are some other ones that almost made your list but didn't? Oh boy! Well, the Cape Verde Shearwater for mm -hmm. sure. I think we're all seabird aficionados here. Yeah, <laughs> that, that bird very, very nearly made my top five. Well, there was a hepatic tanager in Ontario. Yeah, another yeah. good one. That was exciting. Fina yeah. Peplo in Minnesota. That mm -hmm. one, yeah, I remember that. Wild. Yeah. I would also mm -hmm. like to shout out uh, the Oriental Turtle Dove that was in California yes. at the start of mm -hmm. 2022. And uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give a sort of dubious uh, asterisk-ridden prize to the Abert's Toeys in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those got accepted. Really? Awesome. Wow. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. I mean, that's, so. that's, a, that's a fun little quirky there's a story there whatever it might there's be definitely a story <laughs> who knows definitely. we don't know it yeah exactly yeah, and, <laughs> <laughs> but they they deserve they deserve some sort of little tip of the hat because the collective Absolutely. huh when the head report yeah. came out was, <laughs> exactly. was breeding a lot of fun. breeding yeah, just a little pair yeah. just living their best life <laughs> who knows 
Good stuff. Yep. Um, and yeah, I'll also Minnesota. throw one to the Eurasian blackbird in Newfoundland. Oh, yeah. I absolutely. believe that was the first living specimen for the ABA area. Indeed. So that's, that's uh, a, yeah, that's absolutely right. And it stuck around for a while. I think yeah. it was that, that was the very tail end of 2022, if I recall yeah. correctly. Yeah, yeah, I think it might still be hanging around. Is it a lot of good stuff? Yeah, fantastic. Wyoming, fantastic Wyoming's uh, Groove Bildani and Northern Hawk Owl. Yeah, out of nowhere, Yukon got like four <laughs> territorial first. A lot, a lot of crazy stuff out there. It was, uh, as you said, a fantastic year uh, in 2022 for rare birds in uh, in the ABA area. Thank you so much, Amy and Tim, for stopping by to talk about rare birds in 2022. What a year it was! Um, you can find Amy at North American Birds. Uh, she's the associate editor. Tim, do you still write at Nemesis Bird? I sure do. I've got to get a new post out there. But We'll have a link to his uh, stuff at Nemesis Bird. I believe he's talking about his own personal 2022 uh, best birds of the year as well. This is always a fun conversation. And uh, have a great 2023. Thanks a bunch, Thanks Nate. Thank you, too. This was Great fun. to be here. The American Birding Podcast is brought to you by the American Birding Association. If you enjoy this podcast, the best way to support it is to join the ABA. You get a lot of great benefits, including our fantastic magazines, discounts to partners like Beauty of Books and Princeton University Press, and more. You can find out how to do all of it at aba.org slash join. A special shout out this week to Michael Clift and family of Dillsboro, Indiana. Michael recently joined the ABA, noted this podcast as a reason for doing so. Thank you so much. Welcome to the ABA. Executive director of the ABA and executive producer of the podcast is Nikki Belmonte, who points out that the Boeing jet effectively turned the Eurasian Marsh Harrier into a Eurasian Mash Harrier, and also points out that it's probably too soon for that joke. Technical production is by John Lowry, a Michigan resident and lapwing looker-adder, who notes that maybe we haven't considered whether the bird used its stablets to hijack the plane without realizing that it was ending up in rural northern Michigan, which was quite the oversight on its part, if so. Additional help with social media comes from George Munoz, who did not forget the Eurasian hoopos and actually likes it when we call them Papa. Put your wings in the air if you're a true flyer. You can find us online at ABA.org on social media. Most everywhere is American Birding Association on Twitter. We are at ABA. We'll be back next week. Just as hot Limpkin summer turns to bonkers Limpkin winter, then to inevitable Limpkin annexation of Eastern North America. I, for one, welcome our screaming snail-breathed overlords. Questions, comments can come to podcast at ABA.org. I'm Nate Swick. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy. See you next week.